0: Welcome to the Reverse Mullet Healthcare Podcast from BP2 Health. (laughs) Saying that out loud is still funny to me. It makes it it real. Did we really pick that name? We did. Yes, we did. And we did because we want to have fun while we're doing this. We want to be entertaining. And, uh, of course, we also want to be relevant and informative. It's like party in the front, business in the back, like a mullet, only reversed.
1: Which is exactly how I explained it whenever we, like, sketched out the purpose of this healthcare podcast. So that's kind of our MO, right? Yep. I'm Ellen Brown.
2: I'm Justin Politti.
0: And I'm Dave Pavlik. We are passionate, innovative, collaborative, and we are committed to solving some of our industry's most pressing needs along with our clients. And we have a combined 90 years experience in healthcare. (laughs) This makes us sound so old. (laughs) I know. I know. In, so. each, in each episode, we're going to dig into a hot healthcare topic and dig into each other a little bit.
1: Please be gentle on me, guys.
0: You be gentle on us. <laughs>
1: no way.
0: So we're recording this series of podcasts at MMG Studios down in sunny Tampa, Florida. And today, we're talking about value-based care.
1: The big VBC, or you could say value-based contract. Yeah. So why are we in Tampa? because we dropped our kids off in college last night. But in our first episode, we talked about that. Yes. But our kids did come to dinner last night.
0: I was so surprised. It's like they dropped them off at college. It's like, this is where you Spunkle say- Uncle
1: Dave was there, which is you. I know.
0: Supposedly, they wanted to have dinner because they wanted to see me. I'm but not sure. literally, I, Dave. I'm not sure I buy that. I
1: texted my daughter- and said, "Dave is flying in." And she was like, "Funkle Dave's going to be here. I have to see Uncle Dave." I'm the
0: fun uncle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it really upset you that we hadn't cut the cord. So our kids did come No, I just and- thought
0: I remember dropping my kids off at college and we were so angry by the time we were done moving them into their oh, apar- yeah. apartments and they had and then they blew us off We're like, "Why why are we even here?"
1: Yeah. We, and we then, had the opposite. Then we just hit the road. Yeah. So, so Sophia and Will all joined us. But so at dinner last night we talked about, right? So we had when we talked to some clients about doing this podcast we joked, somehow, Cards Against Humanity came up. And our client said... Yes, now this that... is how we roll
0: with our clients. We yeah. talk Cards so, <laughs> Against Humanity. We didn't
1: play it with them. But then they said, hey, you really should do that at like an intermission of your podcast. And I'm all for it. And I know you guys are not. Hence, we are not doing Cards Against Humanity today. But I'm putting it out there because I... You know, people might... I don't know how many people <laughs> listen to this, but if they do... We'd well, be did, curious to know who wants of, to hear a it. A lot
0: of people are going to listen. Yeah,
1: we're, we're, It's going to go viral.
0: I actually <laughs> the, told I actually told Ellen she needed to run it by our producer Kim,
2: and she said she would, but she forgot. But I didn't. She Maybe didn't, that was she, knew like she a, was going to say no. It was like the ch- the challenges, honestly, the funniest stuff is inappropriate, so inappropriate, so
1: wildly inappropriate. So and, we played it last night. We tested it last night right. at dinner with our children.
2: And we won't yeah. get into the inappropriate things that happened, but it, but you're. But right. you
1: proved your theory right because everyone that was picked, everyone that was picked was the min- most inappropriate and right. most wildly inappropriate. Right. So
0: right. So you'll be glad we're not. Okay. So doing if that anybody's today.
1: listening to this and they understand and they want to see Cards Against Humanity, but we have to understand how version. correct. But we tried that. I bought the family edition, and everybody thought it,
2: it was, yes. no, it
0: was no fun. Boring, the boring button. Okay, right, okay. right, right, right. So we do have a sponsor for this series of podcasts, P3 Health Partners. Yay! <laughs> P3 is a population health management organization founded and led by physicians with a strong background in value-based care. Contact P3 to find out how they can help you improve outcomes, lower costs, and help enhance the health and well-being of your patients. People, Passion, Purpose. That's P3. You can find them on p3hp.org.
1: Shout out to P3. Yes. Thank you yes. for giving us. It like makes us sound so legitimate. I have to, so we're up for sponsors for our next round, right? Okay. All right.
2: Today we're going to talk about a subject near and dear to my heart, value-based contracting. It's supposed to be the white knight of healthcare. What do you think, Ellen?
1: The white knight. Um, I actually think value-based contracting or value-based care has been like watching paint dry.
0: Which is the opposite of this podcast (laughs) because it is so dynamic. People are stay tuned.
2: So we're going to dig in. I'm going to ignore that. We are going to dig into why VBC is a great idea, but why we are not there yet. and When on earth are we going to get there? And how? And how. And what we think Because this is our show. 90 years of experience. That's why. (laughs) So with value-based contracting models, we go back into the history, right? And they started as early as the 1960s. But the term really hit stride.
0: 60s? Value-based care?
1: Yes. Yes, it's legit. It's like 1967, and it was an early version. I'm putting my geek hat on. An early version of the primary care medical home model. Oh.
2: So I just had this vision of Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janice Joplin, much like us, <laughs> around you the can't
1: table. Even put us in the same
2: category. There's beads and incense. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. You go with the incense. Right. But I think they collectively solved value based contracting. <laughs> okay. But each of them met their untimely demise. At age twenty-seven,
1: so we lost fifty plus years.
2: So, and we've been left trying to pick up the pieces since then. There's this big gap. So, that's what, what, what my about what about uh, what about Paul McCartney? Paul McCartney, I
0: think he was <laughs> He's like... He's still alive. Um, though, but this is my Liverpoolian accent. He's like, hey, we've had we've had value-based care forever here in Liverpool.
2: Well. <laughs> It's
0: no, free. That,
1: care, we're I'm, I'm not talking. going down the care, socialized medicine.
0: Care is,
2: care is you're, free. You're How's that value? That's value. Talking wrong. America. Okay. Yeah. Those are yeah. three yeah. American. Okay. We're, we're yeah. not
1: talking socialized right. medicine, Dave. You're, that's you're for not. another day. All All okay. Right. So you asked me about the white knight thing, yes. right? And yeah. VBC really is kind of the white knight for for saving the solvency of the Medicare fund. I mean, if we if it isn't VBC, some other white knight better be coming really fast because- it's kind of like other things that we act like they're not happening and they're like happening every second of the day.
0: But why isn't why isn't it evolving
2: fast enough? Why is it taking so long? Well, just like everything else, the administrative complexity that you get into when you look at the details is what's slowing us down, right? The nuances, and I say you know, we could really blame our founding fathers for the setup that we have in that we've got 50 different systems of, of Administrative levels, every state, every local community—it's different, right? So you you kind of have to tailor your model to each market that you're in, um, and that takes a long time. And to be honest, people, you know, don't—they would rather uh, try to come up with a one size fits all application that really doesn't do anything.
1: But that's at the payer level, right? That's and that's the issue: is like, the payer's trying to do a one size fits all, but then the local market has its own dynamics, and then. I mean, we could go on and on. So, so I asked. I'm cutting you off because no, no. I can push the boring button. No, no it wasn't boring. <laughs> that was actually not boring. But um, so I, I, w- I had lunch with somebody recently. It's not a secret, but I won't say any names in case he doesn't want. to Does Brian names, know about this? No, he doesn't. He could. It's fine. Okay, it's just right. it was just lunch, talking business. Um, but it was actually a really good conversation because this person is in value based care and is actually working for a cardiology VBC organization where they're trying to figure out the business model of bringing cardiology in the mix. We're going to talk about this whole piece in a second on specialty care, so I I won't go ahead of the game. But I asked him, I said, okay, tell me what you think is a barrier to VBC, right? Like, tell me what you think is the problem as to why your organization is – not getting the traction that you'd like to see. They're not failing or anything, but you know it's not like some easy thing. They're they're getting critical mass and getting a voice is is challenging when it comes to BBC in specialty care. So if they want to be a convener, you got to get a lot of momentum behind that. And he made a really good point. Again, I, I these epiphanies to me are always like the simplest things. But what he said was one of the major barriers for transformation transformation was that. We, did too, we gave too much away in the beginning without asking for enough accountability. We were so excited in the beginning, like, oh, you'll do VBC. I'm going to give you money, right? I'm going to give you money to do this, and I'm going to do money to do that. And all of a sudden, we gave all this money away, and yet we didn't have the systems in place to track it. We didn't hold people accountable. And now it's like casting a line and then trying to reel it back with any, there's nothing on it. Like you can't go backwards once you've gone forward. So.
2: I, I agree. And we've had, we have another client who similarly um, rolled out a very innovative program, but wasn't able to, or didn't roll out VBC uh, along with it. And so basically the market is getting that innovation for free. Yeah. And, yep. you know, that's, that's the what's, got me most concerned about the direction that uh, we need to change the uh, trajectory of where we're going um, so this, these types of things don't happen again. Because uh, otherwise, you're going to wind up killing things that you know, are really, uh, I guess, tra- uh, change agents in the markets. I don't know, Dave. What do you think about? I just think it's lagging way behind. Uh, VBC adoptions,
0: lagging way behind. All the different models that are out there, like you said earlier, um, makes it way too confusing. Well,
1: they're overlapping.
0: Right? That's the problem right. too. Exactly. Is that
1: like we're there's only a limited amount of funds available to share, and we've given out. In essence, we we've built a model that would give out way more than we would ever save.
0: Yeah, it's right? confusing and um, it dilutes the effectiveness.
2: Yep. Yeah, and so we so the industry has basically rolled out these programs that focus on. Um, Quality measures, uh, kind of what I'd say, affects things around the edges. Um, and everyone wants to improve quality. And it, it, it's better than where we were in just a straight fee-for-service environment. But we've got to evolve to a point where as if you've got an innovation, like you're able to have the discussion with a payer, with a business model, that shows that you're reducing savings, but you get compensated for that up front. Um, and but that doesn't mean that you're not responsible for your performance. If you perform poorly, then you have to give some of that money back.
1: Which it's nobody wants to do. They
2: don't. But this is no, where we nobody wants that's to what sign, they sign up, up to go, for.
1: Well, but they don't. Well, that's when the they problem. do, though. right? But it's like eating cut glass sometimes to get people <laughs> to want to right. It's like, oh, I'm going to do value based care. Well, oh no, I need right. a little bit longer. I'm not ready.
2: That? and then the actuaries come in and everything stops and grinds to a halt right yeah. so
1: you need an IBNR of 156 <laughs> percent so, yeah so no,
2: it's a mess. so there's all these different layers and then we have what is an effective tool with PCP capitation you've got many groups who are very effective um, particularly in the Medicare Advantage space um, in managing populations but it's just PCP capitation for for those Small. It's for a smaller universe. We've got to expand way beyond that, um, and not everybody. It, it, that's not a, the right fit for for everybody as well. But we've got to bring in specialty care in these high uh, cost areas uh, to be able to focus like on right. unique components for you know for each of those. And
1: that and that gets into the this this kind of second piece. It's all connected, right? But it's payment transformation. So if we're going to truly do payment transformation we can't just look at these very fragmented elements of the system and before we kind of talked through for this podcast i had this this belief that you know oh we were being really integrated we we were looking at total cost of care and things like that and then when i really sat down, we sat down right and the three of us started talking about it um, i realized we really are not doing it at an integrated level at all and I think this gets into, we've been traditionally focused on primary care and primary care is absolutely the most critical component to all of this, but it's also primary care at at a little bit more of a functional level where primary care is truly integrated in with specialty care and it's not. And then the specialists are all out there still kind of doing their own thing. And I, to me, that's one of the biggest issues here. And then, to your point, Justin, we have these we have these more innovative approaches now to specialty care that are really emerging, and we're working with some of them now. It's very exciting stuff. Um, but so many of them, their success is predicated on cost avoidance and not cost savings. And to me, that's a really important differentiator that we can even talk about a little bit more today, which is. In payment transformation, if we're going to move from fee-for-service to value, then if all we're talking about is cost savings, it's really an impossibility. We have to also factor in cost avoidance. And we talked about this before, right? This is like one of the biggest conundrums in healthcare today is how do we – it's like risk. It's like I don't ever want to take risk. It's like a dirty word. And I feel like cost avoidance is starting to become – The same kind of moniker.
0: It is because they're they have to invest up front, right? And maybe they'll have cost avoidance, but maybe they won't. They've got to do it it right,
1: right? But they're they're never going to see it the way that we traditionally. It's like we have to break the system. It's like we have to break the construct of of cost, right? So,
2: and what I'll say is this: I got to take us down the road, but there are a whole host of skeptics about this topic altogether, and they they still. There are still many of them within the industry that we work with on a regular basis who don't necessarily buy into the fact that value-based care is what's, you know, they're wed to the fee-for-service model. They're not a convert, right? They're, you know, they're living in their own universe and are totally fine to a certain extent. But can extent. you
1: blame them? No, I mean, how can we blame anybody for? And staying I have to them, right? make
2: a confession. In the very beginning, I'm going <laughs> to oh, say here this. Here we go. I, here yeah, we go. I'm, I was I'm a convert, I was a skeptic in the beginning. I did not believe that we would get even as far as we have, just given how like ingrained and simple fee for service um reimbursement is. Well, it has been sixty plus years, so uh, yeah. yeah, but
1: but we haven't changed the systems. I mean, how many times this drives me crazy? You drive down the road and there's these big billboards, and it says, "How long is the e r wait time right and then it's like. We get angry if the ER wait is, like, two minutes or something, right? We don't want to wait in the the ER. ER? What am I supposed to say? The emergency room. (laughs) The emergency room. But then you go there, and that's the other thing. It's like a one-upsmanship of whether it looks like a hospital room. Like, you go in, and you're, like, in a hotel. Oh, I said it. And she is. (laughs)
2: ER and hotel. (laughs) Instead of hotel. There, I said it.
1: Hotel. You go in there, and you want to be, like, catered to, and yet – we don't want to pay for the cost of that. So this is what drives me crazy. We, as consumers, and in the healthcare industry, we've created this expectation of how are we going to attract everybody to our, our beautiful facility, right? But we need to be saving money. So we need to, we can't just keep, like, it's like the incentives on VBC. It's like the free money that we gave out. We're we're building all this cost into the system because we want to make the consumer happy. We want them to come to our System, but the reality is that there's too much capacity in the wrong places. We're putting too much money into something that can't be funded, and then we ignore cost avoidance. So, I but the thing is, if I'm if I put my hospital system hat on and I'm in a market where I can keep charging what I want and I can keep churning out right volume and I can stay profitable, why do I want to move to BBC, yeah. Justin? I mean, right, right?
2: but. The thing that ultimately converted me, and I had to really have a long, you know, long talk with myself. Wow, I, uh, <laughs> just, I don't know, Justin. Dave, do we want to go down this road? I, let's 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 go right, on, Justin. I, let it roll. I, I would like
1: self-conversation. the self conversation.
2: The reality was, I I said if I was to start this whole the whole health care system all over again, having no history whatsoever, but you
1: did this with yourself.
2: I that was very. Was it a long debate? Like it was three o'clock debate, in, the was in the morning. Yeah, you know those yeah. things. Oh yeah, and they just come to you, the. I basically said there's absolutely no way on earth that you cannot have some kind of value-based premise for everything tied to outcomes. Um, and and we, we need to get to that point and away from the fee-for-service system that we have. Like, I would not start with that. And so if that's my underlying belief, then how could I stand back and just continue to let fee-for-service yep. run, you know, rule our country?
1: Okay, so, so Justin, so we have a, an overlapping system. We have promised too much money to too many different stakeholders and have not connected the dots, right? We haven't, we haven't connected the outcomes. We haven't made the contracting terms similar. And I know actually, CMS, under the new Making Care Primary Program, they've held some stakeholder sessions. And they have actually, for once, shown, not for once, but they really are showing that they want to convene. They want to be more of a convener, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So we need conveners that more standardize what these programs are. But we know what these challenges are. Um, So I'm going to put my specialist hat on. So now I'm a specialist, and I'm standing out here saying, how do I become part of this, right? Because I see no reason why I should. I'm getting my fee-for-service money, Nope. And and anybody that asks me into the value-based tent, they just want me to come in for free or take some kind of a discount and then maybe get like a little prize on the side. Right. So, but to your point, I'm reading it all in the industry journals. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I better do something. So what do you say?
2: I say back to my earlier point.
1: Sorry, Dave. We're not asking very much today.
2: (laughs) That's okay. I'm enjoying this. It's one of the reasons why somebody our clients
0: will love us because we have these differing and opinions, and you can just it, like, like back and
2: forth ping pong. Yeah. yeah, at least when you have we, to
1: don't no. we don't always you agree. We don't always agree on things. You get to hit the boring button today. You haven't hit it much. Yeah,
2: it'll yeah. be coming no, I'm, soon. I'm not sure if you know <laughs> yeah. if you I have, have more custom- talks with myself. One. That's right. that's going to get very boring. That's a
1: strange button.
2: Yeah, I'm very. We're going to have multiple buttons. back to answer your question. It goes back to this aspect of like, what would. What's compelling enough to a provider to move them from where they are?
1: And to the payer.
2: And to the payer as well, right? So if you're able to get upfront payments and then tie them to future outcomes, and then guess what? Um, You have the ability to make more than you are under the fee-for-service system if you're performing well. But if not, you know, there has to be that... Tie back to – and, and let's, let's be honest, too, though. When you're talking to providers, they are very focused. Like, how many times have we been in provider with, with, with clients, how focused physicians are around their performance and how they compare to their peers? Yes. now they will pick it apart if it's not accurate, deservedly so. That's what but, I was going to say
0: because that's the rub, those outcomes yeah. – there's not a universal set that no, that, no, and, no. that that they can trust can and believe. But well, we've got to
2: get there, right? Yes. Meaning like, yes, there's always gonna be some degree of, you know, you know, back and forth on the accuracy. We've gotta get ourselves I to hear a point. Another episode. <laughs> 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 we've gotta get ourselves to a point. So where do we go from here? Um I I think and we've been talking about it. We have we've got to develop compelling value propositions um,
1: for both the payer and the provider. Yep. Okay.
2: S- specialty providers really, as we talked about, need to meaningfully be at the table with the payer. With the payer. Here upfront financial incentives. That's and a it, tough it, sell. It is. But
1: we're the, doing it for the primary cares.
2: But we've got to move beyond that. Yep. Um, so but then, we also cannot be boiling the ocean, right? We've got to get, like, because that's the other thing that's been too, everything is just too broad. Like, let you need to consider the markets that we talked about earlier, right, and the fact that things are unique in each market, and you, you narrowly define what success is. It's not like 80 measures, and it's not 80 outcomes And things. you know that I like to do I that. know. Yeah, well, <laughs> Ellen and I will debate the... Like, Come we could go Ellen, down. That's not implementable. You, usually I start at one and she starts at 15 and we end well, up at but five. We have
1: to make sure that we do
2: this. That one's in there for you. you converted me. <laughs> you've converted
1: me. I'm much more. Ne- but I say, in full disclosure, when we have these discussions with clients, I'm like, I would like a lot more, but the reality is it's too complicated. Right? It
2: is. It is.
1: So, I would agree with that. I would just say that the other thing, right? We've been talking from, I feel like this is very much a provider. I could be a payer or provider listening to this conversation, right? That's fine. But I feel like what you just described is very much how do I, as the provider, sit at the table and become part of this conversation? But if I put my payer hat on, then I'm gonna say, you know what? I need to look, I need to have a Justin conversation with myself, right? And I need to kind of go back to the beginning and say, where is my VBC money going and how do I eliminate the redundancy mm-hmm. of my programs, right? Because right now, if I'm honest with myself, I'm giving too much away or I've got too much sitting out there. Not that I ever will, because everyone will just argue too much about whether or not it's accurate because <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. But still, all that to say, I really do as a payer, I need to say, wait a minute, how how do I integrate this and align it so that it adds up quantitatively to be as close to 100 as possible and not 150? And how do I make sure that all my major stakeholders, which isn't just the primary care, right? I mean, I would argue that you know, we're talking about specialty today, but we really need to look at inpatient. We need to look at outpatient. And, and, and we need to look at the facility level. Like this needs to be, from a payer perspective, it's a different conversation. So.
2: It is, and it, it, it all goes back to what you're bringing to the table, right? And having your own unique value proposition be considered from a yeah. payer standpoint, right? But you've got to be organized in your approach when you're going to the payers. Yes. And you've got to be concise with, yeah. hey, this is, we've done our research. We've done our, you know, legwork. And it's not just having a theoretical conversation because that isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so investing in... That that time and energy on the front end is yep. you know yep. is the key. So All um,
1: right. So I, I I think I think
2: we're like wrap it up. Now we
1: we gotta wrap it up. Okay. We did, we did summarize it. Okay. But I don't think this is gonna be in the podcast just so you know. <laughs> okay. So thanks again. Ellen I'm Alan Cap- Brown. Come on. I'm let's Dave Badlik
2: and I'm Justin Politi.
1: We're the partners at BP Two Health. Your best chance for real
2: change. As you can tell, we can talk all day about healthcare. Drop us a line at our site at bp2health.com. The Reverse Mullet Podcast is produced by Henry Street
0: Media with Kim Ritberg and Emily Newman as producers.